From Moby.co, this is The Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast about the economy, the stock market, and the various market forces powering the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr Northrop, bringing you this time, honestly, folks, the market keeps uh, bamboozling us a little bit. We are here uh, on the fifth day of the stock market going back up. We don't know if this is an actual rally or just, you know... More extended sideways motion. As always, volatility season reigns, so let's try to get a better understanding of what that means. Uh, as always, to sort of unpack the weirdness that is the market these days, I'm joined, as always, by CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst here at Moby.co. I'm joined by Justin Kramer. Justin, man, what's good, dude? Where are you calling in from today, dude? I uh, just got off a plane, actually, uh, in Denver, um, and then headed back to New York in a, in a few weeks to join the rest of the gang. So, Justin, yeah, it's honestly pretty wild here in the market. Once again, the market is up today after the Fed kind of just came out and said, yeah, we're going to raise uh, rates again. Um, but of course, uh, futures are dipping slightly now. Dollar Tree is leading at an absolutely wild 20%, uh, yeah, 21% rally. Macy's, for whatever reason, also up 20%. Um, I can't make sense of this market, dude. What on earth is going on? Is this just volatility season or is this just some sideways motion we're going to get through like retail earnings? Yeah, I mean, it's just more pushing through, continued volatility. Um, I don't think by any means we're out of this yet. We have no sight and end for the increasing interest rates. Inflation is still ridiculously high. GDP is contracting. Um, the end is not near. Uh, I can definitely see when the end is near, things start rebounding before they actually get better because of the hopes that things are going to transition soon. Um, but with no end in sight, this is just more continued volatility. Obviously, hope we're, uh, we're wrong here, but... I, I would, you know, we're we're putting a lot of weight on the fact that this is going to continue. Of course, and that, and I guess that's the most important thing to keep in mind. Like what you're seeing right now is a rally kind of led by niche and older school retail that has, you know, certain tailwinds that they can kind of, kind of play around with. Whereas growth and luxury retail took a pretty big hit off of supply chain issues, and also sort of like regular retail last week with Target and Walmart. So it is, this is not uh, this is not inflation peaking so hard that we rally through it. This is probably just an extended week of sideways motion. Not officially a bear market yet. We're still about what three hundred points away from that in the S&P 500. So just expect this kind of to extend like we're just in a longer period. And so the main question we keep getting from our audience is, hey, you guys, uh, when are you guys going to call the bottom? Are you going to call peak inflation? Uh, there's literally no way to do that. So just keep that in mind, audience. Um, what we are seeing, though, is the potential for this to keep extending for a while, not the rally that is, but the the downturn. So expect one bad earnings call to catalyze the whole market. Remember, this week started with Snap saying, hey, guys, uh, our guidance might not have been that good, and it completely ripped up the social media market for a while there. Snap getting hit the hardest by being down 40%. Um, Snap being in kind of an interesting position in terms of where their guidance is. Like, their growth is really great, but everything else is kind of questionable. So it begs to begs the question, what actually matters in this market? And I think the most important thing is to sort of, Justin, is to highlight a post you made this week, actually, just talking about how to think about market cycles. So as we extend our way through this down turn in the market, you know, it's the natural market cycle here. How should investors be thinking about this? Like, what should we be doing in terms of like watching our investments, managing our ETFs, thinking about our individual picks? Like what's the game to play right now? Like the general knowledge is, hey, stock market is down. That means stock market at discount. I should buy in as much as possible right now. Right. Like, how do I have a so, much more um, nuanced take there? Yeah, a lot of it's just like dollar cost averaging. So like things are going to continue to slide. Things are on sale. Buying at the bottom, buying at the complete bottom. We did a post on this for our premium members. 
definitely check it out. It's talking about how timing the market is. It is literally impossible. Getting at the absolute bottom and getting at the absolute top or selling at the absolute top it cannot be done. So like all we need to focus on is just continuing to lower our cost basis, get things at cheaper prices. So when they do rebound, we have significant gains. It's tough for a lot of people because they might not have any like dry powder sticking around in terms of don't have cash on the side ones. It's tough right now. We totally get it. Um, but if you have excess cash or you're looking to sell things and buy new positions, just continue and buy the names we're recommending, the names we believe in. And yes, there's a good chance they continue sliding. But again, we're long-term investors. Our time horizon is over years, not months. And so if we can lower our cost bases, continue to get things for cheaper, when they rebound, we'll have more upside and things will rebound. Um, for newer investors or even more experienced investors, emotion comes into play a lot more than you care to admit. And so in down periods, it feels like the world's crashing, things are never going to rebound. But there's been 100 plus years of history um, in economics, trading, finance in the US, um, and things have always rebounded. Uh, it's the biggest like public stock market in the world. The most companies are here. And unless we head into a period where the world implodes and we go towards an apocalypse, the US markets will rebound. US companies will rebound. Not all of them will rebound. Maybe some will be tragically lost forever. But it, at, in general, the markets will rebound. That is as close to a fact as we can, as we can say. And uh, to sort of counteract that audience, just keep in mind that, yes, uh, prepping for the apocalypse is technically an investment strategy, but you don't have to consistently invest in it. Most of the things you buy to be a prepper, you know, last forever. So, you know, spend that 1K on what you need and then, you know, get back to investing. It's it's called hedging your bets, folks. I'm just responding to more sarcastic audience questions here, Justin. Um, so let's get into that, though. So as we understand market cycles, there's obviously better you know, you're not trying to time the market, so to speak, but there's better moments to sort of buy in. Like what we managed to do during this particular downturn was make a pivot towards pharmaceutical stocks that were a, bit, a little bit undervalued right before a big pharma rally, um, which is pretty nifty. Um, and at the same time, we're finding moments within like the broader tech sell off where some of our, some of our favorite names are more um, on sale, so to speak. And one big name there is actually Palo Alto Networks, which um, has been popping off despite the fact that the market kind of assumed in May, actually, that they were going to go down. Pandew was one of those tech names that really avoided a lot of the sell-off for a really long time and only finally started having a bit of a downturn here in May on, on just, you know, general tech concerns as there, a, as there was a broader NASDAQ sell-off at the beginning of this month. Uh, what's exciting about Pandew, though, is that they crushed earnings once again. They're maintaining solid revenue growth as well as um, their huge enterprise deals are what's expanding the most. And it's one of those things where people thought that cybersecurity would be something where uh, the market would, the demand would kind of leave once people stopped, you know, doing specifically remote work. More and more people are going back to the office, specifically starting in like Q1 of this year. That trend is continuing, but that is not reducing demand for cybersecurity. If anything, there's going to be remote hybrid work forever. And so demand for stocks like PanW are only increasing as, you know, we're dealing with everything from supply chain attacks to nation state level um, interest as the broader cyber war kind of like expands. Like we are technically, we're not technically in a cyber war right now, but there are a lot of elements that kind of look like, you know, very various sides probing each other right now. So we actually had did a whole video on that on YouTube. You can check that out. But Justin, as you kind of look at this, um, anything else about PanW that you like? Is it, it like the revenue growth seems kind of not flattening, but, you know, just kind of staying consistently within like 30%. Is there anything else you want to look for to keep main, making sure that you want to maintain your position in PanW? Obviously, you know, you, you called them when they were much lower back in the 200s and now they're, you know, pushing five. So uh, like our position is doing great no matter what. But is there anything that people, as they look at this, 
and think now's the time to get in if it's their sort of first time thinking about Palo Alto Networks. Anything you want to think about as you kind of look to the 2022 outlook for them? Is their growth going to slow down? Do you think there's going, is there any, are there any potential headwinds that could hurt them throughout the cyclical nature of cybersecurity? As somebody who's been investing in them for, you know, years now, what can you kind of look at in terms of um, the trends that could affect the stock, if you know what I'm asking? Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be natural competitors in the space. Like cybersecurity is so hot, but just like more thematically, cybersecurity is like more important than it's ever been and more important than like most other things will be for the next 10, 20 years. The world is obviously becoming just so digital. The need to defend ourselves, companies to defend themselves against cyber attacks just becomes more and more important every day. Specifically, even with the U.S. government, like finding contracts and finding companies to help them shore up their cyber defense that helps financial institutions national security i mean the list goes on and on as we become more and more digital which is a, a trend i don't think most people are fighting against companies like Palo Alto networks have a a ton of ability to continuously add value so they're always naturally going to have competitors they're once you get so big continuously growing from a revenue perspective becomes very challenging we haven't seen any signs that indicate that either of those things are going to slow up anytime soon. Um, and although tech stocks are definitely not being valued the way they once were, if you look at their trajectory relative to their competitors and the rest of the tech industry, the comp like the the broader investing universe is definitely valuing how valuable they are. So it's a name similar to your question before about how to invest in these markets. You can buy it as it scoops up at lower prices, um, but this is something for the next, you know several years at the very least until things change that we just fundamentally love. And that's awesome to hear. And it's one of those things where you're going to see the cybersecurity landscape only get more complicated and therefore providers like PanW require, you know, bigger and bigger um, investment and also sort of like bigger and bigger um, uh, service offerings, right? And so what's really exciting about PanW is how much they've managed to get out of their mergers and acquisition phase, you know, build a really solid base and a means by which they can build a diversified product set um, now as opposed to like trying to do this in this market, which have been very difficult for the stock. So it's very exciting that they managed to time things pretty well in terms of a business strategy um, situation. One question we get a lot though, Justin, and I think the name of the game for this episode is sort of like rebalancing our expectations as we watch the, the downturn turn into volatility, turn into downturn, turn into volatility. We're going to be watching this roller coaster that kind of gradually trends down as the market slowly digests inflation as slowly but surely we get news that inflation is more and more under control um that that cpi coming out in june is going to be absolutely massive right and so looking at that it becomes you have a lot a lot of the things you see us doing audience is sort of like reimagining what our actual picks are and justin i guess the number one request coming out of the entire audience right is us reimagining our number one stock pick for 2022 uh we made a pick back in november awesome some timing just mm, really good timing uh for twilio and we were really excited about the stock then and since then twilio was one of the first major victims of the broader sell-off that began round about thanksgiving and has just continued till now twilio being pretty heavily down you know since we made our initial analysis about them so as you look at that do we still is this bad governance being kind of revealed by the market or is this just one of those stocks that is just getting hammered by a broader market just because it's harder to understand their product. How do you kind of look at Twilio now and sort of like imagine them as a solid pick? Is this like a great chance for new audience members to get in early and kind of like ride the bloodbath until, you know, a couple of years down the line, it starts rising up again. How do you look at that though, Justin? 
Yeah, Twilio is an interesting business because they're like an API first business. Like they're a platform to help you build on top of them. And when they were first founded, that like wasn't the norm. There was a lot of SaaS platforms that had full fleshed out software that you could ultimately use and leverage to help your business. Twilio is like a developer's platform where like there's a bunch of APIs and technology that you can effectively use, but you have to build on top of it. And so when they first came around, they were undervalued. People didn't think it would work. Ended up working tremendously. The stock grew. And then they had made an acquisition before kind of this crash at the uh, beginning of 2022, end of 2021, um, and had put out guidance that as part of this acquisition and a few other things affecting their business, slowdown in supply chain and semiconductors, that they were anticipating a bit of a slowdown that would then pick back up uh, in in 2022. So we saw that, that start to sell off um, into the end of the year. Um, we're, again, we're just not concerned then and not concerned now. Um, that was just a natural progression that they were going to have to go through as they continue to expand their business with all of these acquisitions. Um, obviously, timing, we can fully admit, and this is why we try to be transparent. Timing, we got totally off. Fundamental thesis on the stock, long-term vision has not changed whatsoever. Uh, if anything, you bought it now, you haven't bought it. This is just more of a time to get in at a cheaper price. Can it continue sliding? 100%. But now the upside is like pretty significant. The name's down like almost, I think, 70% last I checked. It could be a little bit less or more now. 73, but, baby. It's, a, it's, it's super fun. There you go. Yeah, I mean, the, the upside is clear. It's a company that's doing extremely well, growing fast, has built amazing products and technology, and is just like most of the other names in, uh, in the NASDAQ, just gotten absolutely slaughtered. There's, there's a handful of stocks like this that are just panic oversold that will ultimately rebound, but obviously there's a, a lot of red for a lot of people in the meantime that I'm sure is not fun to digest. No, exactly. And it's one of those things where you have to kind of look at not only the market cycles, but just sort of like your horizon. And so the number one thing you have to do as an investor during a down market is make sure that you are very, very, uh, not even a down market. The issue is it's a down market and it's inflationary times, right? And so the most important thing you're doing as an investor right now, folks, is looking at your budget and making sure that you're kind of pricing in uh, prices going up, you know, 8 10% even more over the next sort of six months and making sure that you still are, you know, making your baseline foundational financial goals, making sure you're safe there so that you can invest, you know, and afford to lose that money in the short term, having it come back to you, you know, over a, you know, three to five year time scale, right? That's the most important thing and that's something people a lot of a lot of people forget because the way we talk about investing during bull times the way everyone does is it's dominated by day traders people who are like yeah i made 20 percent this month it's amazing um which is just com an, a, a complete aberration and you know not necessarily a healthy sign like this is the market getting healthy again this is us shedding a lot of the heat from um just you know a truly ludicrous amount of money being shoved into the market. But again, like there's still no way to predict how this is going to go because this is still an unprecedented economic moment. Even though we're seeing the obvious effects of, um, what is it, $3.7 trillion getting shoved into the economy to keep it alive in 2020. Um, we're seeing the effects of that in the form of inflation, which is also due to supply chain issues. We're also seeing qualitative easing being shut off for the first time since a very like, almost apocalyptic level financial crisis in 2008. There's so many factors that make this so deeply new that it's impossible to say what is actually going to happen here. There's just too much math on the table. The only thing we can do is, you know, have hindsight. So uh, follow the volatility. Make sure you keep yourself safe first and foremost.
foremost because there is truly no predicting what can happen next. I mean, everyone kind of expected us to enter bear territory this week, but the S&P has managed to just keep it alive 300 points above official bear market territory for a while now. But the inflation situation is going to be far more important to keep an eye on as an individual budgeter as you watch that. Anyway, though, you don't need me to tell you that, audience. With that in mind, though, Justin, like, since Twilio is still, you know, experiencing a lot of these, uh, not even, like, business headwinds, just literally stock market headwinds, um, is there anything else that you're thinking about as sort of, like, your number one pick for 2022, sort of, like, having a having a stock that sort of matches the moment instead? Is it still Twilio? Is it just buy Twilio and hold for, like, the next five years? Or are there things that are better opportunities right now we can be looking into that, you know, you have kind of, like, on the horizon for us? Yeah, so there's uh, another company that we actually recommended last year. It's a company called TPL, Texas Pacific Land Trust. We've actually been investing in them for like, honestly, years and years now. I've personally been investing in them probably back since 2015. Um, And Texas Pacific Land Trust, not to get too into the weeds, um, but effectively, they are a land trust. They are the largest land trust in the state of Texas and own like, thousands and thousands and thousands of acres in the Permian Basin. And if you're not familiar with that area of the country, the Permian Basin is a massive oil field that they then have the rights to. Um, So when Shell, when ConocoPhillips, when a lot of people are drilling for oil, quite often they're buying or renting the land from them or buying permits directly from Texas Pacific Land Trust. And not only do they have access to the oil rights, They have access to the water reserve rights, which there's a ton of water there. They have access to anyone who builds railways on top of them. They have access to the land itself. And as such a large landowner, they are naturally doing really well in an inflationary time period where people are drilling for oil on them and doing all these things. Um, In an inflationary environment, they just make a ton of sense. And that's why they they performed so well uh, in 2020 and 2021 as inflation started wrapping back up. Um, and now the, the same thesis now with inflation starting to spike again, makes sense. And with volatile names, energy, utilities, staples, a lot of these names will start to do better. And TPL is one that will continuously, um, if not outperform like significantly, will at least remain stable in, in a down period, which is exactly if, as investors like a way to keep your portfolio grounded. So that's a name we're looking at. I think it's really good timing now to, to continuously, We've, we've never sold our position, but just to re-recommend it. And then on top of that, there's a really interesting point about TPL that no other, no other company that I'm aware of does. Basically, TPL is a, um, is a public land trust. So you can buy shares in it, but by definition, in the Articles of Incorporation, it has to buy back outstanding shares at a, at a fixed quantity year over year. And right now, the amount of land that it holds and the revenue generating from that land is worth more than the stock itself. And the stock is self-liquidating, which means that it has to go up in value. So like by definition, the stock has to go up in price at some point, which is a pretty cool investment when you start thinking about it from that perspective. And then on top of that, it's a land trust. So there's really not much operations. I think they have under like 20 employees for the largest land trust in the country. And if you took them, put them in the S&P 500, they would have the largest uh, net income margins out of any single company in the US, which is pretty insane. And no one covers them or knows about them. There's only two analysts that cover them. They're not high, highly scrutinized. They don't do a ton in revenue and they don't do a ton just in general. So this is a stock that we've loved for years. It's up like 
five, six, seven hundred percent in the last five years. And you know, we're gonna continuously hold this thing until it ends up buying itself into a uh, a private deal. And it's one of those things too you have to keep in mind, audience. Like that just it literally checks every single inflation box. You've got you've got um real estate, you've got energy, and you've got water, which is an ever increasing in value resource as we, you know, begin to understand like water scarcity. And it's one of those things where sort of at the starting gun of that conversation, right? So it just it's one of the things that makes too much sense, but it's one of those things that people don't typically do analysis on because it's very boring. It's twenty people managing a bunch of empty land in just the middle of nowhere, Texas, right? So that's that's what we we do here we, we we follow the numbers we follow um the boring stuff as well especially during inflationary times it's so cool during the bull season when we can talk about super cool wow flashy companies and like you know get a million views on youtube and all that but like now uh during bear season not quite bear season not literally bear season but during these sort of like sideways periods boring is going to always be beautiful so it's one of those things it's you know really exciting in terms of like keeping that in mind so or it's not going to be exciting reading our research for some time but you you know it'll it'll do its job still at least so i hope you guys appreciate that i also but i'll also have some hot takes of my own coming out next week i'm not going to reveal them now because i still have to sell justin on them a little bit i haven't convinced him yet about um, a certain play in the media space but we'll see um, but looking you know f further from that justin anything else uh, we kind of managed to we covered a lot uh, it's already approaching the end of our half hour here anything else you want to make sure that we cover here um in terms of like monitoring this market again just a genuinely weird time it is sideways season it's volatility uh, all day, every day. Anything else you want to make sure our audience sort of like keeps in mind as we roll through? I guess the main thing is our GARP strategy. Did you want to you know, kind of talk us through our May update real fast as we sort of think about, you know, the volatility index, everything else? Like yep. what, what's that game? Go for it. Yeah, so the GARP is another strategy right now that we rolled out, I want to say it was back in February. And basically it's finding growth stocks that have continuously grown in income are are earning more but have just been completely decimated by the market so like twilio and these companies will eventually likely enter the strategy but for now even names like microsoft and apple which obviously are extremely profitable companies they're growing year over year um but their stocks have gotten absolutely decimated relative to their historical norms so we start finding stocks that are growing but at a reasonable price in terms of they're not that expensive anymore they've gotten decimated and so in an environment like this, finding stocks that are just completely down but still growing, they have upside opportunity. It's not much, but if you capture them at the right moments, they are. And so we've been really active in this strategy. And that's why over the last month, with the market just getting decimated, this strategy, I think, is up over 3% last I checked. So it might not sound like a lot, but when you put that in context relative to market, we're outperforming by over 10%. And again, we always preach long-term investing. So I don't want to sit here and gloat and say, oh, we told you so from a month because it easily can go the other way. But it's strategies like this that we're rolling out and working and trying to outperform the market and be smart and strategic. And this is one of those examples that since inception is outperforming. Uh, it works really well in this environment. And that's why we've continued to put so many resources at it and continuously publish the trading updates. And so and it's really important to keep in mind too. Like what I love what I love about this too is just making sure we kind of stick to our guns and find like these little moments within our quant strategy as well. So follow along with that with us monthly folks and we'll kind of take you through sort of like the changes in that. Um it's awesome to see that like yes, it's still we're we're still finding ways to be up even in, you know, a gener generally especially 
down in tech market, right? And I guess, uh, Justin, we the main thing our audience is thinking about is, and we're stri- we, looking at the questions we're getting, like our audience is still really trying to think strategically, right? And so this is something that kind of came out of left field, so I'm just going to throw it at you real fast. One thing we're thinking about as valuations, especially on the growth side, are compressed so heavily. Like so many of the stocks in the NASDAQ are down 50% or more, right? Like right now, as things start turning sideways and people have just the teeniest bit more confidence before the next sort of like downturn hits, people are starting to think, okay, valuations are compressed. Things are going to go sideways for a bit. It's consolidation season. Like as you sort of do your research, Justin, as you sort of like watch the tech space, um, are you seeing any potential? Do you see any particular stocks that might be really solid acquisition targets that we should be thinking about? Since like if you're a holder, like it's a generally a good thing that a company you hold gets acquired unless it gets acquired for like, you know, pennies on the dollar. Anything you're seeing there in terms of like, I know it's one of those things where you don't see that always, but like as you look at that, is that a good strategy thinking about acquisition season right now? Should we be looking at M&A a lot more or is is that something that doesn't actually happen during a down market? No, it does. I mean, there's, I don't think there's anything in particular that we're looking for right now, but there, it is something to definitely be like very cognizant of uh, names get oversold. Uh, but right now I think a lot of companies, even if like you're the big names of the world to a certain extent, you're just trying to hoard cash, uh, make smart strategic moves. So you may see some of these like mega cap companies like Apple and Amazon buy people, but past that at a, at a smaller level, it's unlikely to happen just given, you know, the the market conditions. We might see some mergers, but again, I don't think right now there's anything in particular we have our eyes on, but as always, if things pop up, we're obviously first ones to jump on and let you know what our take is. No, and I appreciate that. It's one of those things where it's it's good to start thinking about an audience. If you see anything that kind of catches your eye, please let us know over here at Discord about it, and we will absolutely be checking that out to make sure that we you know do due diligence and see if we can't find any of those merger moments that could be really interesting to pop off. So that's at least one exciting thing in the business world we can kind of look forward to is a lot of these either... Uh, oversold growth play is getting bought up by huge companies or some very interesting mergers in the mid-tier space. Again, we'll have to see. There's obviously a lot of targets right now, like Snap being down 40%, just completely dramatically oversold off of not the worst news. Um, So I'm excited to look into that, but obviously no clear indications right now. Either way, though, Justin, that does kind of bring us right to the end here. Again, as always, there's so much going on in this market. We barely covered anything. We didn't cover uh, Twitter shareholders suing Twitter and Elon Musk of this ridiculous deal. Will it ever end? Will we ever stop talking about it? I hope so. That's all I'm going to say right now. We barely got into sort of talking about sort of more macro strategy, the M1 and M2 monetary supply, thoughts of deflation. But Justin, anything you want the, our audience to keep in mind before we go ahead and read the credits here? Anything you think we missed that we should like lock in real fast? Yeah, I mean, as always, I mean, we say this, we say, we've been saying this for a while now, so it might sound like a broken record, but I just can't reiterate how important this is. Right now, in times of extreme volatility, I know it's scary especially if financially you're potentially unsecure with your job or just life. I mean, things are just getting so expensive. It could be really hard um, to not look at these numbers and be freaking out. Uh, fortunately, we, we know things will be working in the long term, but if you need to meet your day-to-day cash flow needs, then you can't ex- overextend yourself. So I just, right now, if you're just worried about wealth, uh, like as long as the names that you've been buying are we're recommending and we believe in that's fine. They will rebound at some point or the mass of them will rebound and cover the losers. But if you're buying these risky names and you're worried about your cash positions and you're worried about just getting to your day-to-day needs, then, you know, just really start being smart. But I would highly advise against selling positions that are down massively 
waiting for them to rebound and then you miss the whole upslope. Yeah, and that's the most important thing. Like you, Whenever you're initiating this game, it's absolutely essential to be making sure you're doing it long-term. Don't do things on leverage. Don't do things on Martian, especially now. Obviously, especially now. Don't play around with options too much. Like we're coming out with... Eventually, we're going to be coming out with various, you know, um, not guaranteed, but more better ways to think about options trading. But that's something you should really only be thinking about during, you know, true bull season, like when you're really feeling confident about the bull run. You can't really time this market either, but just make sure that you are keeping yourself safe. Really examine your burn rate like over examine it and try to be more conservative about it and try to overestimate about five percent on your burn rate to make sure that you know you're still investing responsibly that's how you're going to get through this and that's you know how true generational wealth is made if you manage to make through, make it through this sideways motion without selling any positions without sort of like taking on any sort of onerous debt or anything that's the game that's going to really help you win this either way audience i really appreciate your time it's been a really awesome conversation as always if you ever have any questions for us you can always hit us up here over at our discord link in the bio as always um if you have any questions for us specifically you can either DM me here on Discord on Moby Star here, or you can email me, Peter at Moby.co. Again, always trying to make sure that I uh, get the best possible information for you that you actually need to help build your portfolio. So any directions you want us to go in, by all means, hit us up. Uh, that That's the name of the game right now. Either way, audience, I really appreciate you being here with us. Um, I, but for now, I'm just going to go ahead and read the credits. We're right here on the edge here. So just so you know, this podcast was produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr. All the intellectual value from our enterprise here comes from our analyst team, which is led by CEO Kofi here, Justin Kramer. Thanks for being with us here today, Justin. As always, though, audience, if you have any questions for us, you can hit us up at hello at moby.co or peter at moby.co. But for now, audience, all I can say is I really appreciate your time. And as always, I like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.